Hi, everyone. Welcome to Core Self. I'm Mona Vance. And I'm Chloe Flower. And this is our very first episode of Core Self. Woo! I'm excited. I'm so excited. 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 No, excitement is <laughs> My your Chloe. Chloeisms have started already. <laughs> Get used to them. There are so many. And by the time you guys keep like listening, you're going to start saying them because all of Chloe's friends end up saying her Chloeisms. Right? So this podcast all around, we're super excited to talk about everything, everything we care about, like deep issues, fashion, body image. It's like a more organized version of our phone conversations. <laughs> of our five-hour FaceTime. <laughs> exactly. So one of the things that connected me and Chloe, I feel like, I don't even think we realize this is what connected us, but you know, obviously you're drawn to people for certain reasons. And we grew up, I think, in a similar fashion. We both have immigrant parents. Your family's Korean. I'm Iranian. And there's just so many things that we'll get into. Some funny, some, you know, hard. The subtle racism we both experienced in our towns growing up. So I just, I think that's something we wanted to touch upon in this episode. And also just introduce everyone to us and get a little, just a little background on us. One thing's for sure. We were both supposed to be doctors. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yep. No, I, I think, you know, the fact that we both, well, how would I say this? We started in a in a acceptable profession to our parents, uh-huh. and then we went straight to the entertainment industry. <laughs> we segued hard. <laughs> yeah, so that, that journey we share, I think, um, definitely made us bond more. For sure. But let's just tell everyone how we met, because I think this is funny. But because also, I really feel like we have two different versions of how we met. We argue about this all the time, guys. We do. We met in LA. <laughs> I was living in LA. You were living in LA temporarily. You're yeah. from New York. We met at Robin Thicke's house at a party. Or we met at yoga. Or we met at a yoga. <laughs> so the verdict's that we don't know. It's either we met at hot or what was it called? Hot, hot eight. eight. They're two very different places yeah. to meet. So I don't know. <laughs> this is like our life. <laughs> either at a Sunday rager or at hot eight yoga. <laughs> hot eight yoga after. <laughs> but either way, we connected. And it was like, I don't know. There was something. Everyone that meets Chloe is obsessed with her because you just have this like fun, vibrant, like you were so friendly. And I remember I didn't know anyone else at the party or at yoga. And you made me feel very warm and welcome. So that's the initial thing I was drawn to you for. And then we've just built an amazing friendship. I know. It's been so long. I know. We've been friends a long time. And now that I live in New York, we see each other. I mean, we FaceTime all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I don't remember if I see you or if I've just FaceTimed you for five hours. I forget. Exactly. It's like I didn't really miss you during the pandemic because I FaceTimed with you all day, every day. Right. So I don't know, let's talk about, I mean, just give everyone a little bit of background, I feel like, on you growing up. I mean, you know, growing up was, for me, I grew up in an all-white community, so I was really one of the only Asians. Um, My parents, like yours, are immigrants, and they were very Asian when they came here when I was born, and, um, you know, still acclimating, right? And I felt like I was different from, you know, obviously the way I looked different from my community, Also, you know, we would go to this Korean church where there were all these Korean people, even though we're not religious, we would just go for the community. And I also didn't really fit in there because they were so Asian and they I spoke English and they spoke Korean. So it was just like a weird it's like a weird place growing up. Wait, so you weren't religious, but you just went to be around your people. Yeah, I I can totally relate to that. I went to Korean church. I'm not going to lie. I didn't understand. I, I speak fluent Korean, but not like church Korean. Do you know what I mean? Like church Korean is like a different language. Like I honestly like don't know what they're saying. And I don't understand English in like the Bible. So I get that. It's just different verbiage. Yeah. But like, I don't know if any of y'all have ever like known about a Korean church. The food, 
after is so good. No way. <laughs> Everyone is expected to bring something for the lunch after the church. So oftentimes it's churches in the morning and then you have lunch after with everyone. It's like a potluck. It's literally a potluck. So we would go for the food. I shouldn't be saying that, but I would go for the food. <laughs> no, that's. I'm sure you're not the only one. Also, why wouldn't you just go for community? Yeah, and for community, it was so fun. And so that's kind of, you know, that that was always a place where I would see other Asians. I would go somewhere if they were just, it was just about the Persian food and community. I totally get that. So I grew up similar. Um, I grew up in a very small, primarily white town. Um, I was like one of three ethnic kids in my whole school. They kind of lumped us together. Like I'm Iranian, but I would get called black a lot actually, because no one really knew the difference. And I mean, it seems like so long ago. It I, does. When I was in kindergarten, it was like, what, 1990, 91? Something. Something like that. It was really hard being different. I think um, growing up where you're, first of all, as a kid, all you want is to belong. I also have a whole other thing I could get into where my parents divorced when I was really young and my dad and brother moved across the country to LA. So I already didn't have my core family around. You know, it was me and my mom, which don't ask me why. I'm still not sure why they made that decision. <laughs> it's odd. We'll get into that another day. <laughs> So I think between that and just wanting a, a feeling of belonging and community, I it was hard. I tended to like latch onto things. Speaking of church, one of my best friends when I was young, her family was very Catholic and she would go to like Sunday service and <clears throat> it's called Sunday school. Yeah. Kids would go to Sunday school mm -hmm. after like after school. And I remember wanting to go because I just wanted to feel included. And I would go to church with her. I had no idea what they were talking about. I just wanted to feel like I had something or maybe it was like the family aspect of it. But, you know, I think, I don't know if it was easy, not that I'm saying it was easier for you, but did you feel like your core family support helped? Because I don't know, maybe I didn't have that at home either. So it made it even harder. Yeah, I think for me, it was core support from the actual immediate family was yeah. everything because I didn't actually feel as part of the Korean community either because I didn't speak the language the way everyone else did and yep. I was like Americanized. So having my family, like honestly, that was, I think that is always what gets me through everything. It's so important. God, it's so important. You actually love the way you talk about your parents. I love my parents so hard. I'm obsessed. I like think I so think I'm sweet. the only child on planet earth that begs my parents to move in with me and they're like, hell no. <laughs> like my mom is like, I am not living with you. I'm like, please, can you just get the apartment next door to me? And she's like, why? So I can be your slave? No, but like, you know. <laughs> you love your parents. I love my parents. I love being around them. I love that. I remember watching this show, Pen15. What is that? Okay, I know not many people have seen this show, so this might be an unpopular opinion. I think it's actually one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. It only had three seasons. It was very quirky. It was on Hulu. But it was uh, actually the two girls who wrote it acted in it. And they were like in their 30s and they played uh, 13. I think they were 13. They turned 13 or something. So it's really funny. They were playing the you know younger version with other 13-year-olds. But the one girl was Asian. Her name was Maya. And it was more from her point of view. And it's supposed to be funny, but also very deep because it gets into this like the subtle racism you experience and the things that were accepted, you know, back in the 90s that aren't now. It was very relevant to us because they, I think it would have been like three years later than us. Like they would have been three years younger. And there was this one episode I remember like me and Gary are watching and we like cry laughing when we watch it. But this one episode sticks out to me. So they were doing a, a class project and Maya was like dorky. She was, you know, her family was weird because like the food she brought smelled funny. Like I had that experience so much where I liked Persian food and 
Um, so they were doing this school project where they all had to be Spice Girls and they were doing this skit and they were, you know, her, the three cool white girls and her best friend who was a white girl. And they were all picking their Spice Girl and Maya was like, and they were like, oh, well, you're Scary Spice. And she was like, wait, why? I want to be posh. She had her little like, she had a Chanel like bag from like Macy's that she would use as like a purse. And they were like, well, because you're darker than us, because your skin's darker. And you look at her eyes just like well up. And then in in the skit, they were doing this thing where they're like, you be the servant because you're more tan. And I started hysterically crying. I was watching, I, I, you know, when you just cry and you don't even know like, wow, I can't believe that just triggered something so deep where there were so many times where people were like, well, you look different. Or even if they'd comment that like, oh my God, your hair is different. Let me feel it. So I don't know if you experienced those things, but... You don't even realize it's wrong at the time. Yeah, like times have really changed. And I think like I'm super excited about the progress that we've made. Just Yeah. I, and I think honestly, I, I think part of the problem was like in our hometowns, like I grew up in rural Pennsylvania and I feel like you also grew up in rural Pennsylvania because everything Basically. above, <laughs> everything <laughs> above like Yonkers is rural Pennsylvania. The town is called Gloversville. So you can let <laughs> your imagination run wild there. Uh, balls. <laughs> so that I think in itself was you know, the fact that we, A, we were like the only like ethnic people in that community, but also mm-hmm. we didn't have social media to see other people. Exactly. Like everyone on TV when we were growing up was like all whiter, like, you know. Yeah, it was like JTT era, Britney Spears, totally. sync. Yeah, and so we didn't have like access to to other things like the food thing. Like, oh, girl, you talk about Persian food smelling bad. Have you ever smelled kimchi? Like you can't even, even Korean people don't keep kimchi in their actual refrigerator. I love they have kimchi a refriger- so much. They, they, there's a refrigerator nope. in the garage for kimchi and cigarettes because you cannot <laughs> you cannot keep that in your refrigerator. Wait, why the cigarettes? I, I don't know, that was just growing up. Oh. Like my, my grandparents <laughs> chain smoking. So, you know, cigarettes also like smell. They do have a scent. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and so kimchi and cigarettes in the in the garage because it smells so bad. I couldn't bring that to school. Like I would bring seaweed. <laughs> you and must I would have be got... like, look at my hair, look at me, now look at you. If you made fun <laughs> exactly. of me. Exactly. But um, but again, that came from my parents being like Giving Asian you pride. You know, yes. the confidence. And I'd be like, Oh my god, they're making fun of me for my rice. Um, I would make these like little rice balls that are wrapped in seaweed. And just FYI, seaweed is so good for your nails it's and hair, so period, end of story. And there's new studies about seaweed and, you know. Good for your thyroid. Very, yes, very good exactly. for your thyroid. Like the way they like, like there's just some new study that came out of Korea about um, certain types of seaweed and cancer prevention. It's so good for yeah, you. Yeah, so don't knock it till you try it. But uh, yeah, no, I would I would bring seaweed to school and everyone, um, I mean, you know what it looks like. Everyone would totally make fun of me. But like, so people would make, do you remember them making fun of you or were you just like, oh, I'm, like, you were so confident that you didn't care? I mean, of course, like, you know, being made fun of and being bullied is never positive, no matter how strong you are, right? right. But I think, you know, having, um, like having my parents instill that like strong Asian pride, I was like, no, but look at my hair and look at your split ends. Like, you know what I mean? And I didn't know if that was the real reason, but that was like what I could come up with. And that's always been, um, you know, like a teacher. Like I want to teach them, you know, you don't want to just say like, you know, oh, screw you. I'm, you know, whatever. But you want to be like, hey, so actually like by the end of the school year, my mom was like bringing seaweed to school for everyone because it actually tastes really good when you crisp it and add salt and a little oil. It tastes like a potato chip. Yeah, like sea snacks. Yeah. I mean, now that now they can, you yeah. can I don't know if sea snacks were available yeah. then. No, definitely not <laughs> available. <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, Organic I, sea snacks were not available in my childhood. No. <laughs> I mean, I ho hos and mini muffins. So oh, yeah. I, I know. I wasn't allowed to eat anything white growing up. I, I want to get into that because I'm fascinated <laughs> by that too. But 
You know what's interesting too is I was quote unquote popular, right? In junior high and high school. My school was seven to 12, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. And even as like a cool popular kid, it was the subtleties of it. I think that like you're that one person who would make one little comment that makes you uncomfortable that they don't realize makes you uncomfortable. Like even just, I don't know. I also try not to be overly sensitive because I don't, I, I find that a little annoying and I know everyone can get offended by anything. So I'm always like, okay, obviously I, I try to look at the person's intention. Yeah. But I think just like commenting that someone's skin is darker, like making it a point makes me uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Right? And you know, it's it's still happening. I think in Asian culture, especially, you know, we, we have a lot of, if you go to Seoul, there's a lot of whitening creams and they're very open about yes. it. In, I don't know about your culture, but in my culture, it was better to be light skinned. Oh, when I spray tan, my grandmother's like, why are you yeah. spray tanning? I'm like, it looks Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes. And like I, my sister is so much lighter skin, has lighter skin tone than I do. I look more like my father. And I just remember like, I swear, like if I just looked at the sun, my mom would make me put on sunscreen. Like if oh, I just like looked out the window, that. she was like, are you wearing your sunscreen? I can't check the mail without sunscreen. Is that why I have sunspots and you don't? Because you were probably so careful. My mom didn't know any of this stuff. It's so funny. Not a typical Persian. I was bathed in sunscreen I was when I came out of the, the womb. Sun. <laughs> like <laughs> it went straight from the womb to a like a ba- bath of sunscreen. I swear. My mom put it on my face every every day. It was like sunscreen. That's, That's why, why I never leave the house. Perfect. It honestly, her skin <laughs> no. like Chloe's mom just knew. She like you said, supernatural. Um, the way I mean, I first of all, I love that part of immigrant parents because I think they take the ancient wisdom. They do, right? And you don't even know. You're just like, oh yeah, this is what I did growing up. And I mean, first of all, I wasn't like proud of being Persian when I was younger because I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. As soon as I went to college and was exposed to other cultures, I was like, all of a sudden, my Persian pride kicked in so hard, and now it's I mean, it's never left. Yeah. But yeah, you realize the little things that they teach you that come from years and years of ancient wisdom and it's really cool but i think like that generation still has a little bit of that from from their culture and their childhood now like everything nowadays we we make like healthy sea snacks organic right exactly like serums eye creams and you know the old ancient philosophy in asia is like you know if you want better skin drink pineapple hot pineapple water or dry ginger water you know these are like little things i know my mom's obsessed with she just texted me this morning have you been drinking your hot pineapple water? I'm like, can I get on a group text? I know, right? <laughs> she <laughs> sends like me that. these long messages about why pineapple water in pineapple in hot water is so good for anti aging. I don't. Oh my god! Wait, well, there's bromelain in pineapple, which helps with bruising and swelling. Maybe. I mean, your hair is looking healthier than ever. Honestly, hair Persians come out so hairy. When I was born, apparently, I was the hairiest baby. My dad said that they were like, oh my god, she's not going to be cute. He was like, I'm going to have to take care of her, like as a joke. And then growing up, I would say that's the one thing that I was probably traumatized with the most. I had these sideburns because Persians are hairy and everyone would make fun of me for them. No. Swear. So in seventh grade, I <gasps> me took a too. razor. I got made fun of for sideburns too once. Did you shave yours? Because I did. And it was a disaster. I waxed them. Okay. Well, I shaved them. And then them. they grew back fiercely. Oh, mine I was like, I'm back never doing that fierce? again. I look like Elvis. I yeah. looked like Elvis. And then I had like a five o'clock shower. Yeah. Girl. so bad. No. And then I'd finally, when I was in seventh grade, this was... I think it was like 97, 98-ish, um, laser hair removal. I like somehow found out about it. And when I went to LA to visit my dad, I did it mm-hmm. and it worked, thank God, because it was not a good situation. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if I grew up in Iran or if I even in LA, there was such a big Iranian community. If I saw other girls look like me, I wouldn't have been for it probably wouldn't have been made fun of as much. And I also yeah. wouldn't have wanted to. I would have. Oh, I fit in with these people. Yeah. You just want to belong. Do you ever feel different than your actual Persian community because you're from America? Because we're because we're we're Asian and Persian, but we're also American. Exactly. I I mean, beyond I've been trying to learn Farsi ever since I went to college. And then I I was like, oh, I really want to fit in with this community. I didn't feel like I belonged because they all spoke Farsi. They all grew up together. So then it was like, I don't really fit in with you relate to this. I don't really fit in with all Americans, but I don't fit in with the Persian community either. And I really want to speak Farsi because my whole family does. But I wonder if my initial drive was so that, again, I could feel like I fit in with that club too. Yeah, totally. Like when I speak Korean sometimes in restaurants to an actual Korean person, like, and they respond back to me in English, I'm so wounded. I'm like, oh, wow, is my Korean that bad that you feel the need to like write, you know, to talk, to speak back to me in English? You know, I have an accent. They call, they call it Kunglish, Korean English. We call it Farsish. Exactly. So, you know, definitely like, you know, that's another way that I try to like insert myself into this like, you know, community. Um, it's through language and it's hard because we are so American. Do they laugh when you speak? They, they laugh hard. They laugh at me too. And I'm they like, they're like, so no, it's hard. cute. I'm like, that doesn't feel good. No. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, literally being so serious right now. I'm and trying really they're hard just here. laughing at me and my, <laughs> you know, the only thing I can say is kimchi. No, but like I, and my Korean <laughs> is not bad, by the way. I can speak to my parents. And that was the other thing. My parents really wanted me to assimilate. So they rarely spoke Korean to me at home, they would try to speak mm. English because they themselves also wanted to practice their English. It was also the way I was raised to, to assimilate into, into, you know, my community, yeah. which was predominantly white. Yeah. If they were speaking to you in English at home, that's, I mean, same with me. Yeah. And then my mom, you know, wouldn't let me take, you know, kimchi to school because it's like rude smells so bad. I've had kimchi at a restaurant. I don't remember it smelling. Maybe it's just not fresh or something. Babe, no, it's any stage of the kimchi is like. Why did I not? Maybe the restaurant had smells and because stuff. Because so it was so smelly. <laughs> you were probably smelling so many smells that the kimchi got drowned out by the raw octopus smell. Oh my God. But like, yeah. <laughs> I think one thing that's funny too is growing up, my mom was so much more strict than my American friends. So their oh, moms, yeah. right? They were able to like, okay, be home by 10. My mom, there was no be home oh. by 10. It was, where are you going? Oh, yeah, give was, me the phone number. <laughs> be home by 10. <laughs> right? Where like, are you going? Exactly. You're not going anywhere. Your anywhere. ass is connected to the bench. And honestly, there were some um, really suspect guys that I was into in high school. So I am grateful now. Thanks, mom, because who knows what could have happened in those situations. Oh, girl. But she was crazy. Did you have like psycho strict mom? Oh my gosh, I remember when I was practicing the piano and I had to quote unquote go to the bathroom, she had this frying pan timer because she was like, you're going to go do something and like take too long in the bathroom, which I've been known to do because I actually am not in the bathroom at all. <laughs> and so it would have this, she had this timer and it would go off um, after four minutes. No. And so, so I wasn't practice. allowed to have a bathroom break for longer than four minutes. Oh my God. Yeah, strict. I wasn't allowed to go to like the movies with my friends. I wasn't allowed to go to the mall. You know, another thing we did was we would hang out. If you're a country person, you will understand this. But, you know, after cow tipping, you'd go <laughs> hang out at the gas station, the local gas station. We'd hang out at the local Dunkin' Donuts, but go on. Yeah, <laughs> Sheets um, for us. It was called Sheets, I think, with a Z at the end. I never did it once. I was never allowed. Not that I would ever want a cow tip. I thought that was horrible and cruel. Like always. Not right. even, like horrible but you know maybe I wanted to like go sit in a parking lot you know with my friends but you know never was allowed well yeah you are 
you are your surroundings. So, Is that like you an know, immigrant like, parent thing, though? The strictness? I honestly, I think so. At least, I mean, I don't know if anyone else listening can relate, but at least for us, that was our experience. I mean, I couldn't, it, couldn't date boys. I like, I had to study when I came home from school. It was study until you go to bed. Even in high school, I'm like, I don't have a test. She's like, get ready for college. You're practicing for college, or you're practicing in case a test comes up. Yeah. But like, I would end up writing notes to my friends mm -hmm. before cell phones. Oh. So I would always find a way around it. But um, I had to just sit in my room and study. Yeah, do you remember TGIF? Mm -hmm. That sh programming. Oh my god! On Friday nights. On Friday nights. PM. That's who raised me. Like my dad, I swear he would be studying Family Matters, like studying it. And what so, like, any time there would be like an argument, my argument in my family, he would be like, I know he was like referencing his like TGI Friday notes, and he'd be like, let's sit in a circle and talk about our feelings, <laughs> and <laughs> so you know, cute. and like all we were missing was the cue music. You know, it was yes. like, it was so, I was like, can't you just spank me like a normal family and like yell at me? Like, why don't you just sit in a circle for an hour and talk about, you know, why I snuck to the mall today? That's <laughs> you know? so cute. So I think like that, I think that was one positive aspect of having immigrant parents for me at least was like, they really wanted to understand American culture. So they would study it by using these amazing, totally unrealistic, like oh family shows. And that's how they would discipline me. And that's how they would speak to me. And like, even even though they were still strict, like it was always a conversation, like, you know, never like in that traditional, in, like what, what you imagine a strict tiger mom to be. That's so cool because that's just two ways, right? They were really trying to adapt you to American cultures, maybe by watching shows and seeing how, like maybe to help you just, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not fit in, but like- Assimilate. Assimilate, yes, yeah, that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Yeah. My mom went the old school Persian, like, like you're going to work at McDonald's because I got like a, I think my average was, you know, when you'd get your report cards and you get your overall average and it was an 89. <gasps> so it didn't make the president's so list of the 90 and above. <laughs> she flat out said I was going to work at McDonald's, serve French fries. Like, like it was just, it was aggressive. The yeah. school thing was aggressive, but that's what she learned from her mom. And now we've had talks about it. And she's like, I regret doing that. I think, I think there was less of the like, Let's talk about your feelings. Let's like let me let me hear how you feel. And it was like school and education is what's going to make you happy. I specifically remember her saying, "No one likes their job. You just have to make money, and that's what's going to make you happy. So wow. just go to school to be a pharmacist, and like it will get a good salary." And then I believed it because you believe everything your parents say. Yeah, I think my parents were like the opposite. Like you have to love your job. That's so great because you're going to be doing it all the time. Best case scenario. So your sister went to MIT, but mm -hmm. for you, when you like, you knew right away when you were young that you were into music, you just had a natural. Yeah, I'm sure if I was like, I'm going to be something else, like they would be like, you absolutely cannot do that. It just <laughs> happened that I picked piano, which is like an acceptable profession in Korean culture, you know, so um, in my family's culture. So I knew I was going to be a pianist. I definitely... My parents definitely didn't think I was going to be a, a hip hop pianist. You know, they're like, <laughs> that's what I want to get hip hop. To. You know, like, what is this? Like, my dad's like, you have beats, beats, beats. Where do you get beats? Like, he's so confused, oh God, you know, and they so saw cute. me on the Grammys with Cardi. My sister said my mom just laughed hysterically the no. whole time. She didn't know what was happening, you know, so they don't quite understand that aspect. Like you, like you're supposed to be a pharmacist. You're a well, oh, yeah. you're a wellness guru. But, you know, you've transitioned that in from the office place to the internet. Well, when I first had the, when I was first like, oh, I want to segue this career into something else, 
then neither of them got it. My dad, I mean, both of them were like, you have such a respectful, like admirable career. Why would you leave this? Like they thought, even when I left Rite Aid, which was retail to go to an independent pharmacy, they were nervous. <laughs> they were like, but you know, this, this corporate company gives you these benefits. And now that influencers and TV hosting, this is all obviously more familiar, but the, for the first few years, they definitely didn't understand it. And I think struggled, but I really didn't care. I don't know for you, when you you started Classical, when did you make the switch into Popsicle? And, and did they have any thoughts on it? I definitely, well, I play, you know, the thing is, is I played my Popsicle idea to my piano teacher while he was still alive, Herbert Stesson, and he taught at Juilliard. And he, when I played him my idea, I mixed a Bach, a Bach piece with like some drum beats that I, did on GarageBand and he was totally into it. And so I think that helped because I was like, mom, mm. see, like my piano teacher, like thought it was a cool idea, right? And so there wasn't that much pushback. The pushback really did come from, you know, like classical, the classical community, right? You're considered a sellout. Was it the point. Asian classical community or just classical community in general? Oh, it was just the whole all ethnicity classical community <laughs> right but now things have changed you know now people understand it they get it because of social media people are doing so much more fun things with not just music but with health everything like how you're you know fashion there's just new cool ways to to approach classical yeah. music so again another situation where i was too pop for classical and i was too classical for pop so i didn't quite fit in i just like have accepted the fact that i like don't fit in anywhere right? and that's fine and i think that like me always trying to fit in like hindered me in, in many ways because it's like i'm not fully asian i'm not fully american like i'm not fully uh classical i'm not fully pop so it's just we are who we are right just i mean i'm sure everyone got that but i didn't even tell classical and pop popsicles Pop chloe's thing I, oh, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't tell them i just want to make sure they know you're so good this is why mona should do all the talking no, no, absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> God, I relate to that so much because when I graduated pharmacy school, I thought I was actually going to love pharmacy. And then I moved to LA to start my life and actually moved in with my brother and his ex-wife at the time. And then I was like, I hate this and wanted to do something else. But all the friends that I had made in LA were reality stars and actors or models. And I was like, I don't quite fully fit in with them because I, I do have that academic side to me, but I also, want, I also am creative and I want to have fun. I don't want to just go do the same thing every single day. So I also had these two poles in different directions. And I think that's just another thing that's energetically connected us that we agree on, right? Yeah. Like just to be yourself, like not try to, you know, try to stick with pharmacy because, you know, you lived in LA mm -hmm. and you're beautiful and, you know, you wanted to do something different, not even more interesting, but just different. And I think that's different. like the coolest thing about social media is like, we could be like, doing anybody can do anything with social media like you could be like cutting scallions and make it fun on social media exactly. and like make someone else want to eat scallions you know like i think that's there's there's really beauty in that too well it's in the creativity i mean you're like you're a pianist but fashion i would say as a consumer because i love your stuff fashion is a huge part of your brand and content because i mean everyone goes to see what you're wearing when you're playing the piano and we can obviously like put down social media as much as we want, but there's so much that it's brought us. And when I was obviously in pharmacy school, social media, it was just Facebook. So these career options weren't even a thing yet. I'm so grateful. I think that's why it goes back to like, 
it's helpful when you love what you do and not everyone can do the job exactly that they love right it's 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 a privilege it's rare it's a privilege it's a privilege but we also do work very hard so i think there's both sides to that yeah and i think that's you know in in our family lives that's expected of us yes it's like working hard is the standard yes and if you're not working hard then you're lazy mm-hmm. and you know and i think that that can that can burn people out. So I think a lot of immigrant families now, though, because of social and because I mean, every generation, kids just get smarter and smarter. And now they are more open about their feelings and what they want, wanting to be happy. And also you're seeing other things you could do. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that if my parents had me now, it would be different. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine being now? Like I was just saying the other day how excited and lucky I felt that I had a childhood without social media, but I have it now while I'm still like, Oh my young God, enough that's such to like, a good point. like, you know what I mean? Like to like, like I, I get lost in TikTok. I just watch puppy videos all day and like how to's, you know, it's fun. But I'm so glad I didn't have that growing up because I honestly don't know who I would be right now if I had Instagram at 12 years old. I, I agree. But then I'm on the other end. I'm like, oh, imagine if I connected with other Iranians and then I felt more connected to people, yeah, no, right? There's, totally. There could be, but yes, the the bullying and who knows what photos you would have posted in high school that might never disappear. Like it's, you're a kid. You don't yeah. know what you're doing then. Also, our parents would never let us be oh on social Oh my God, they media. would never. Such a, a good point. I had a cell phone for emergencies, but like that was back in the day when like nobody texted me back <laughs> unless they lived in Europe. Oh my God, my mom got me a cell phone for emergency. I think I was in 11th grade or 10th grade and I was one of the first few to have one, but she didn't understand the concept of no reception yet. So I went to a party and like it wouldn't ring. And then she would just, you're not answering your phone. What are you doing? Like just fully grill me that I wasn't using my phone. She one time I went to this guy's party from another school. You went to so many parties. The fact that she let me, (laughs) this was like five (laughs) in my whole high school career. The fact that she let me, but she was like, give me his mom's number. Do you know how uncool it is? Like I hardly knew this person. So, so I got, I got the number. She mm. called it at the party. No, I'm gone. They were like, is there Mona here? Her mom's on the phone. It was just, that was the last party I went Humiliation. To. I'd rather Humiliation. just not go. Honestly, I should have just not yeah. gone. It's cute. Like I don't mind like my parents like um, being super controlling. I don't know why. Like I kind of like it. All Everyone on my family tracks me on my phone. Oh my god! They I all love have that. like a That's so cute. Like my sister will randomly text me, and she'll be like, "Why are you at the zoo?" I'm like, "Actually, I'm at the dentist. It just happens to be next to Central Park Zoo." I love that closeness you guys have. I almost feel like Gary's family is like that too. When they came here, it was like their family unit. Yeah, because like we have each other, you know, like if if we don't have each other, then who do we have? Because, you know, the only other person that really could relate to me was my sister because she was going through the exact same thing. I actually saw, you know, how she suffered way more than me because she went to a different school. She went to a slightly more racist school. So it was like really hard for her. Like people would ask us, what kind of Chinese are we? You know that like, are you Oriental? I remember I won this um, art competition in my local hometown and the headline was on the front page of the newspaper. I was horrified. It said Oriental Girl Wins National Art Competition. No. I'm like, who even says that? This is like before woke was a thing. Like I'm like as a regular twelve year old, I think I was twelve or thirteen, I'm like You're who, serious? Who says Oriental girls today? And that was like hundred and fifty years ago, right? Imagine them doing that doing that now. It was so traumatic for me. I don't know why. I can't explain why I was traumatized by them calling me Oriental. I can understand why. But like I just felt so like disgusted by my like by my whole community. I was like, this is just like embarrassing. 
You know, I'm supposed to be like being acknowledged for winning this national prize for my school. And then literally my art hung in the Philadelphia Museum of Art for a year. And I was like the Oriental girl forever. Wow. It, like it didn't, it like totally diminished any thing I had, any pride I had was like completely diminished in that one minute, right? And, um, you know, that's hard. And I think like we don't, we don't understand what our parents went through, like right. too, because they, oh my God, they imagine. didn't even speak English. So imagine. I can't imagine. Honestly, you know? I'm like, God, my parents lived in that kind of area going, they were like the students on, there was like a campus for like the married foreign students. Yeah. They were, I just can't imagine what they went through. And I'm sure obviously people weren't aware of what their words meant. It's all conditioning, mm -hmm. you know? So maybe they didn't even realize how bad it was to, to say that because there's things we said when we were in high school that we would cringe at now. Who are we today? We're still growing. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna be so different next year than I am today. I think forever, right? That's the goal, just keep evolving and getting better. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, you know, I think the, our immigrant parents like made us amazing, but like, I think that it's definitely, a. there's definitely things about it that having immigrant parents, we really share and we, we can relate to that nobody else can, you know? It's yeah, like, it's just, it's hard to understand when you didn't live through it. And there's just such unique, funny things, right? Like my mom throwing a slipper across the room. That's <gasps> something a lot of Persians, I mean, I don't Is know. Is that a thing? Yes. No not, It's not like they actually want to hit you, but yeah. like they really just like throw it across the room. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yeah, no, that was like anti. We're not allowed to throw anything and show, you know, that was like another thing about having you know, the parents that we had, it's like these these kind of things, like I think they cross over into who, what, who we are today. Yeah, they shape you. And I mean, now, you know, even though growing up, I didn't want to be Persian. I wished I had whiter skin and my hair wasn't so thick and I wasn't so hairy. Mm -hmm. But then as I got older and grew into myself and discovered my culture more, it's maybe one of the things I'm most proud of and I love it and I embrace it and I see you doing the same. You're always supporting other Asian women and I love, if I know someone else is Iranian, I'm sorry, I have to be honest, I just instantly like them a lot. Like there's an instant connection. I'm like, I wanna support you, you're my people and it's nice, now I love it. Cheers to our immigrant parents. Yay. Woo! To all the immigrant parents everywhere, we love and appreciate you. <laughs> okay, well that was so fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode of Core Self and got to know us a little more. There's so much more to come. We have some amazing guests coming this season and make sure to subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast. Yes, please subscribe. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Make sure you follow Core Self on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Mona Van and at Miss Chloe Flower. See you next week. Bye. Bye.